Managing Bull Nutrition Throughout Their Lifetime. That's our topic today on Bovine Science with BCI. I'm Brad White, joined by Dr. Philip Lancaster. Morning, Philip. Good morning, Brad. Happy to have you with us today because it's going to be a great discussion. And, and you and I have had these conversations on and off relative to you know specific instances. How do we manage bulls before breeding? Or how do I manage bull after pasture turnout? But what you've put together for us today is we're going to kind of walk through the life of of a bull, a breeding bull, starting before he's even weaned from his mother, how do we manage his nutrition to make sure that we have optimal lifetime productivity? So I I appreciate you bringing this topic because I think it'll be relevant if you're on the purebred side. I think it'll be relevant for the commercial side as we think about raising, managing those bulls. But let's let's start from the beginning, and I'm going to call the beginning when he was born, right? <laughs> right? So from there till weaning is kind of the first segment of life. What are some of the things I'm looking for paying attention to? Well, just general health and development, I think, is probably the biggest things during that period of time. Um, you're going to make your first selection there probably around weaning. You might make it earlier than that based on pedigree information. Um, but then from a nutrition standpoint... The, probably the thing that we need to decide during that time period of his life is are we going to creep feed um, or not and how hard are we going to try to push him um, before weaning um, you know from a if from a seed stock perspective a, a lot of them are creep feeding to try to increase that weaning weight um, that phenotype there and, and separate out again from a from a this is where genetics and nutrition kind of come together is that from a from a genetic standpoint, I'm trying to find the ones that have the best genetic potential. You know, and, and then so I've got to give him the right nutrition to be able to separate out which ones are the best. And so I need to think about how to do that. But if it, but I could also think about this from the other perspective. I get it. if I throw out that weaning weight is important in one of my distinctions, and I'm not throwing that out. But, but theoretically, I could get him to whatever weight at weaning, and I'm going to have control of his nutrition until he's yearling age. So I could put on that weight pretty efficiently post-weaning. Sometimes when I think of heifers, we, I, let's contrast that with a replacement heifer, I often say, I'm not sure I really need to creep feed him because after weaning, I'll feed him all that I can. But bulls, a little bit different scenario, is that what you're saying? Yeah, a little bit different scenario in, in that we are turning in that weaning weight number to the breed association for epd calculations and so we want to you know that's a number that a lot of commercial guys are going to pay attention to when they're selecting bulls and so from a seed stock perspective we want to manage that number somewhat and so we're probably going to give them a little bit better nutrition pre-weaning than we would commercial calves um, or even generally replacement heifers because we're trying to separate out which ones have the genetic potential for early growth um, and which ones don't. But it's not really a biological difference. I mean, so the difference between bulls and heifers is management difference, but not biological difference. We're not turning in EPDs on most heifers. No. Some, some you might be, but mm-hmm. most you're not. And even if we do turn them in, there's not everybody doesn't care as much about the weaning weight EPD of the heifers. So mm-hmm. if I didn't have to turn those in, I wouldn't have to worry too much about creep feeding. Staying on my parallel with heifers topic, in heifers, we often talk about too much nutrition prior to weaning. 
we could deposit fat in the udder and it could limit her lifetime milk productivity. I'm, I'm not worried about the bull's milk productivity, if that's where you yeah, thought I was yeah, going. No, no, no. no <laughs> okay. But is there anything that I'm concerned about there with getting him too fat prior to weaning? So we have kind of the same issue. I haven't seen or read a lot of stuff that worries about it too much prior to weaning, but as that bull um, post weaning and, and grows and gets closer to yearling where and gets closer to puberty, fat deposition in the scrotum has, has a negative impact on development of his testes, uh, sperm production and sperm quality. And so um, we, we want to pay attention to him not getting over conditioned. And we probably want to pay a little bit of attention to that too early on, but um, I think it's a bigger deal post weaning than it, than it is pre weaning. The testicles are where they are for a reason. And, yeah. and that's temperature control yes. is one of the uh-huh. reasons, yeah. maybe it's, multiple it's, reasons, it's but big reason. Yeah. If we put fat around them, it's not going to be good. So I, I kind of have to watch mm-hmm. that, not necessarily pre weaning, like on the heifers, but it, it is something to keep an eye on as we talk through yearling bull development. Back to our pre-weaning phase, uh, you mentioned often we're supplementing with, with creep feed. Are there considerations, positive or negative uh, types of feed? Because we've there are multiple ways I can creep feed animals. I can do limit feed. I can do things that are r- relatively high in fiber. Or I can creep feed with a limit-fed supplement that may be relatively high carbohydrate-based. Is there a preference that you have there for for bulls? Well, part of it comes down to economics. So when we're talking about quantity, you know, if we give them free choice access to it, they're going to replace a lot of the forage in their diet, and it becomes a increased cost of of rate of gain there in that pre-weaning phase because... They're, that forage is decent quality. It's going to promote some level of gain. But then if we don't, if we let them have ad lib and access to creep feed, that creep feed is obviously much more expensive than grazed forage. And so they're replacing a lot of that grazed forage. And so my personal preference is to limit the amount a little bit. And so, and then from a type of carbohydrate perspective, I think generally a mix. I don't want a real hard, high starch creep feed. Um, but, but my creep feed probably going to have some corn in it, you know, some cracked corn in it, but then I'm going to use some things like distillers, grains, soybean holes, um, wheat mids, other things like that, that are highly digestible fiber sources, um, that are going to provide really good energy, but I'm not going to be, um, forcing him to consume a lot of starch. So are you targeting a specific, and I assume that the starch is, I'm, I want to make sure that he's growing at a reasonable rate and I don't end up with acidosis type issues. Mm-hmm. Are you targeting a specific gain? If I said still in the pre-weaning phase, my, norm, my normal calves are gaining two and a quarter pounds a day. Do I want him to hit that? Do I want him to hit more with a growing bull? Well, he should probably definitely do two and a quarter pounds a day. Um, and especially on a creep feed. So if I'm creep feeding him, he's probably going to be gaining about two and a half or so pounds a day. Um, and then it obviously depends on how much creep feed I'm feeding, creep feed I'm giving him. But if I'm limiting it to, you know, say four or five pounds, um, a day, then he, he should be gaining probably two and a half. 
Okay. So we'll have to kind of watch how he gains because it's not consistent across that across that period. Mm-hmm. And like I say, I'm trying to manage to get him r- really in his growth stride relatively early. And, and I'm probably already starting to think about I want him to be ready for breeding by the time he gets to yearling age. Mm-hmm. Anything else I should be thinking about pre-weaning? I don't think so. I mean, it, it, we're just we're just trying to get him transitioned. I mean, that, that creep feeding can also help him transition um, as we go through weaning and, and make that transition more smooth and keep him on that on that growth track um, through weaning. Okay, so once I once I get him weaned, now I'm starting to think about my next target, which with this young growing bull is he's going to have to pass a BSE. And in many cases, I want him to be ready to breed by the time he gets to yearling age. But I may want him to actually pass his BSE before that because he's got to go in a sale if mm-hmm. he's a, if he's a purebred bull, or I've got a little more time if I'm keeping him for my operation. So when I think about heifers i'm gonna keep drawing my heifer parallel i want them to hit 65 percent of their mature body weight by the time they get to yearling age do i have the same target for bulls or is my target different as they go through between weaning and yearling you know i don't we don't talk too much about a target weight for bulls um as far as achieving puberty um we really think of it more i think along an age line uh that they're going to hit hit puberty in that 10 to 11 month range, um, but I want him gaining well and growing well because that does impact the size of the testes and development of the testes. That he's on a positive plane of nutrition and he's doing well um, from that regard, and making sure he's getting particularly all the vitamins and minerals that he needs for for development of those testes, and so um, that's. From a reproductive standpoint, that and making sure he doesn't get over-conditioned and deposit too much fat in the scrotum are the two main things that I want to focus on from a nutrition standpoint related to his reproductive development. Do you think that's why we don't talk about that target weight is because often we're teetering on the other side, especially with breeding bulls. We've got them gaining so well and doing so good that we don't want them depositing fat in their in their scrotum at that point mm-hmm. yeah and probably we don't think about it that much because it hasn't been i guess maybe an issue um as it has with heifers and we just we haven't put together those targets to try to help manage that better that, that those bulls are we're feeding them well enough that they're generally reaching puberty at early enough age to be able to um breed cows as yearlings yeah, absolutely. So do you have a targeted weight gain that you're kind of expecting between weaning? So we said he's he's probably two two and a half per day uh, up until he gets to weaning, then between weaning and breeding, what am I targeting there? So there's a lot of debate in the industry about how to develop bulls. We talk about um, should they be forage-based programs or should they be high-grain-based programs? And so the, there's pros and cons to each. Um, the forage-based program is that you are developing on him on the type of diet that he's going to be on the rest of his life. And so we're not worried about rumen um, damage. We're not worried about um, negative consequences of acidosis or anything like that. Um, but the disadvantage is I may not separate the genetic potential as much between bulls because I'm not pushing them to to reach their maximum um, as much. 
the high grain diet, just the opposite. I'm definitely pushing them to reach their maximum potential and separate out which ones are the best, but I can have issues with depositing too much fat in the scrotum. I can have issues with um, rumen burnout if I push them too hard and, and rumen damage and, and um, acidosis issues that could affect, um, if, I do, if I do it wrong, it could affect feet and leg soundness um, later on in life um, from that acidosis challenge. And so, so there's a lot of debate there, but from target perspective, if you're going the forage-based route, probably two and a half to three pounds a day is a, is a good target for rate of gain. I can get some high-quality forages in a bull with a little bit of grain supplement that'll get him there. And then if we're on a grain-based program, we're probably looking at three and a half pounds a day plus is my, is my target um, for those to develop that ration or formulate that ration for those bulls. All right. So I see your, I, I, and I think good uh, answer on going into the gains. I see the rationale for the forage based saying, well, this is where he's going to be eventually. This is what I want him used to doing. But a young bull, just, just like any of us know, uh, young growing animals or you and I, our nutrient intake requirements were way different when you're growing mm-hmm. than it is when you're a mature adult. So saying I want him eating a mature animal ration and they're not really saying that they're saying type of ration Mm -hmm. but saying i want him only eating that when he's growing that that can put some challenges into the into the situation because i've still got to get him to a weight to hit puberty and that's going to be an important part of the equation right Mm -hmm. yeah so if if i'm going that route i have to really focus on my forage production and quality so i need to I need to focus more on quality um, than quantity when I'm putting up hay. Um, if I can use some uh, cereal grains and some higher quality forages like that for him to graze through the fall or winter and spring, then then those become good options. But I'm still going to have you generally have to supplement some type of grain or grain so byproduct. You're saying forage. Uh, forage with supplementation, which is often when we talk about forage finished beef, it's it's forage with supplementation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I may avoid a lot of grain or starch in that supplement. I may shy or I may tend toward a lot more of those highly digestible fibers in that type of system. Um, but I'm going to have to generally give him something to get a decent rate of gain um, out of that bull. Okay, so the other thing that I want to pick up on that you said a couple times, both pre-weaning and then in this phase, is you said, I have to give him enough nutrition to express his genetic potential. Because what we know is if we look back and over the last 40, 50 years, weaning weights nationally of all animals, and I'm not just talking bulls, nationally have not changed all that much. Whereas carcass weights, carcass traits, gain, gain to feed conversion in the feedlot has changed tremendously. But pre-weaning, grass hasn't changed that much in the last 50 years. So yes, I may have better genetics, but if I don't have the groceries to get there, I can't, I can't make it happen. Uh, is that what you're saying or am I missing kind of what you're saying when you say, I got to give them enough nutrition so that they can express their genetics throughout these growth phases? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so... You know, so think about it this way. They have, you got two bulls that have different genetic potential for post-weaning gain. And they're, they're likely going to be different no matter how much I manage them nutritionally. So say the one bull will gain, you know, 
a tenth of a pound or so better on a on a forage based program but on a high grain based program he may gain a quarter of a pound or so better than the other bull and so it the the genetic ranking may still be pretty similar um, but there the the difference is going to be bigger or larger and helping spread out well just how much better really is he by giving him that extra nutrition from a grain-based in a grain-based development program but the and and the counter argument is i don't want to have this bull show me that he's that much better on a grain-based program if my primary concern is forage-based mm-hmm. yeah to some degree and, there, and there's some thought out there that that we can select the animals that do well on forage-based diets um, or grain-based diets and so the diet that we're using to grow those bulls is the type of diet we're selecting those animals to do the best on. Um, now, most of our offspring are grain-fed steers in a feedlot, so you know maybe there's there's some val- validity to using a high-grain diet to develop those bulls. Um, but the bull himself is not going to spend his life in a feedlot on a high-grain diet, and so we got to balance that um, between developing him and selecting the right bull that's going to produce the offspring to do what we want them to do later on. Well, and the other part of that may may go into what's my use case for this. Like, am I producing replacement females or am I producing animals that are going to go to the feedlot and go on and become beef? Well, I need to start thinking about those things early on in the process. And as you alluded to, that, that may be kind of opposite right (laughs) if i if i want and i can't have the best of both worlds no yeah you you, we really can't that's that's the truth so so it becomes maybe what is your focus for that bull and maybe it comes a balancing act of trying to kind of hit that middle ground for you know whatever i'm going to do with him and his offspring and this comes right before he goes into being a yearling bull. And at that yearling age, this is where we talk about, uh, I've heard people say, my, my bulls are melting or they're falling apart, right? And they're, and they're coming out where they've been on a really high level of nutrition prior to turnout. And then after turnout, two things happen. One, they're not thinking about eating. They're doing a lot more walking, a lot more exercise, a lot more other stuff. And two, they have, whenever they do think about eating, we've just changed from you had all the nutrients you ever wanted to, yes, you may have your meal, but you have to walk around and eat it and graze it. So how, how do I manage that end of the yearling phase to kind of avoid that melting? So we need to think about it like we would a step-up ration for cattle going into the feedlot or cattle or this bull when he was when he was stepped up to that higher grain development program in reverse order. We don't want to take him off of a high grain diet and just turn him out on pasture um, or just put him straight on hay. We need to step him down from where he's at over a period of weeks. Um, and the recommendation that I've seen is to decrease the amount of grain in the diet by about 15% per week. Um, and so then you're going you're gonna to step him. So if it's a 60 to 70% grain diet over about four to five weeks, you're going to step him down until he's on a, just grazing on pasture or eating hay. Um, and so in, you know, one of my, I guess one of my personal preferences would be to, to have him on some hay 
um, not, rather than just straight green grass. If you buy him early in the spring and turn him out just on lush green pasture, that can cause more digestive issues than if I put him on some good quality um, hay, grass hay, and step him down to that high quality grass hay and then turn him out onto to pasture. So I'm kind of picturing this in my head, and you, you've got him uh, starting at weaning, He's, he start, and really before if we're creep feeding him, but he starts ramping up, and we get him up, and we get him on a high growth gain if we're feeding him that way. Whether it's forage or grain-based, mm. he's gaining well, and then I start stepping him down, right, mm -hmm. to, to get to that point. Because I would expect, though, this bull, he's a yearling. You said we don't have a target percent of body weight, but if we compare it to heifer, he's 60 65% of his mature body weight. He's not going to mature till he's two or three uh fully so he's going to need to continue to mm -hmm. gain in addition to maintenance as he goes through that process now the other thing that we, we really haven't touched on coming up to yearling and you said there are some downsides you mentioned acidosis rumen health the other thing i think about is is feet uh laminitis or issues that that go right along with that rumen health if i get those rations uh, maybe too much carbohydrate as they come through. Is that something that you're thinking about as you plan out this weaning to yearling age process? Yes, I think definitely that, and, and I haven't seen any data, but it stands to reason that if I push them too hard and we have some inflammation in the, the lamina and the hoof and stuff, that that can turn into some long-term feet and leg problems. Um, even though we may not see anything right off, um, there may be consequences further down the road. And so I think that is definitely an issue that I want to try to manage that carbohydrate load and prevent even try to even really trying to prevent subacute acidosis um, issues, not the acute stuff where we definitely see founder and things like that, but the subacute issues that could have smaller impact on their um, feet and leg structure, um, but we won't see for a longer term down the road. Well, that's where we start to think about longevity. So these decisions that we make today impact the longevity of that bull in the herd. And especially if you have those yearling bulls that kind of fall apart or melt after they get out there, he may not make it to the next breeding season. And, and we need him to do as much. And we've talked about before on, on other things. My plan for that yearling bull is to put him with as many females as he is months of age. Mm -hmm. When he goes out, it's kind of my rule of thumb. You can go above or below that. But that's counting on the fact that, that he has to be able to make it through that breeding season. So kind of review some of the things that you said, as we and we only got through yearling age here, Philip. But if we, if we go up to weaning, you want him gaining two, two and a half pounds, two and a half pounds a day, a little bit more than the rest of my calves, because that weaning weight's important as part of my selection. And then I'm going to plot out either kind of a forage based or carbohydrate based uh, diet between weaning and yearling age. And I want him to be big, but not too fat. So mm -hmm. I want him gaining at a, at a higher rate during that period of time. Anything we missed yeah. that we went through? And so it's, yeah, it's important to make sure you're, pay, you're, you're probably planning that diet relative to the frame size and breed type of the bull because cert, you know, certain breed types have more propensity to, to deposit fat, and so that may be a bigger issue with those types of, of breeds than it would be other breed types. Um, and then the one thing, other thing I wanted to mention, we, we were talking about there, after that uh, yearling development period, we still need him to be gaining probably around two pounds a day there um, after that yearling development period, going up to the breeding season, 
Breeding season's a little difficult to manage, but then after the breeding season, again, trying to, to get him to gain around two pounds a day for the next several months. Yeah, absolutely. And so what we'll do, Philip, next, next time, I would like to hear more about uh, as we get through that breeding season, right? How do we manage that breeding season? What do we do post-breeding season, kind of post-season recovery? Uh, and then thinking about the next year and how do we manage mature bulls. I appreciate you joining us today and sharing some of your bull information with us uh, about the nutrition. And we'll find out more on a future episode. If you have something you'd like us to talk about on our uh, nutrition talk, certainly send us an email at bci at ksu.edu.